Hello, hello, and welcome, finally, to the Toon Network season review for 2017-18. It's been an absolutely magnificent season. The, the, the season has officially uh, just ended this week. Um, everything's been decided, so we've had Man City won the Premier League with a record 100 points. Chelsea won the FA Cup, Hazard uh, penalty against Arsenal. We had Man City also winning the League Cup as well. Um, and we had Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid getting the Champions League and Europa League prizes respectively. So it's been an unbelievable season. Newcastle finished 10th in the end, as we all know. Um, but I just wanted to have a look across and uh, have a look back at... Um, some of the best games, some of the more memorable moments and well I wanted to give out some awards I wanted to dish out some individual awards um, to complement the season and um, let's hope we can go from strength to strength it's never as easy as that in Newcastle United transfer rumours are buzzing around but we still don't know budget Rafa probably doesn't know budget either um, we've only made one signing as it stands, which is the permanent signing of Martin Dubravka. Um, check out my last video if you want to catch up on that. Um, but here we go. Let's look at um, let's look at goalkeepers. And um, so obviously goalkeepers. We started off well. We we started off trying to sign Willy Caballero, and we all know how that went down. We hesitated. The deal was seemingly in place, and then we hesitated, and Chelsea snapped him up. Um, Rafa was very annoyed about it. Um, and he made no secret about that and it was left to us to basically alternate between Darlow and Elliot so that's basically what we did until in, for the first half of the season it was it was tricky because um, as much as they're both really likeable guys I, th I just felt that neither of them had the star quality above the other there was didn't seem to be a definite number one, and you know in some cases that can be a very good thing. But I just felt that both were probably lacking the ability to be a goalkeeper for a top ten Premier League side, which is obviously what Rafa was trying to push us towards. You know, Rob Elliott, great character in the dressing room, just didn't have that command of his area, and Carl Darlow has come a long way, played a lot of games in the Championship. Um, but he's just prone to an error or two, and you know, in, in, in games such as like Burnley, maybe's and well, maybe not Burnley. Sorry, that was well, maybe Burnley, maybe could have come out. Um, if he, he got score past point blank range, but I think he could have maybe had a bit more command and been a bit more proactive in that situation. The Everton fumble as well, you know, that was that was a game he really shouldn't have lost. Um, but but when we finally got a player in, Martin Dubravka, everything changed. Everything changed. He was, he, he basically, what, what, what Darlow and Elliot didn't have was that assertive personality, that authority that, that, that's going to command a backline, organise, shout, instructions, ball, and just lead by example. So Martin Dubravka, plucked from relative obscurity from Sparta Prague, 29 years old, Slovakian international, but basically off most people's radars, including my own and many, many people. I don't think, unless 
unless you're a football hipster, you probably didn't know who he really was. And he came and he he instantly gave us trust between the between the sticks. He was he was pushed into his first game against Man United, and he's never looked back. He was absolutely superb, and I think what he's been able to do is is give he's given like Lascelles and Lejeune in front of him the confidence, and that 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 back three so so important, and he's just been an absolutely monster signing. Probably probably our most important signing of the season. I don't think we go on that run after Christmas without Dubravka. And um, it's just, he's got a big imposing frame. He's positive with one-on-ones, but his biggest asset, I think, is the way he can just pluck a ball out, uh, crosses out as well. I think that's that's so important and something that we've not had the reliability of in the back at all. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give Martin Dubravka the cherry picker award for this season because of his, his ability to just pluck the ball out um, that are like eight foot in the air with his Velcro gloves and um, and and put the defence and the fans at ease. So, well done Martin Dubravka, cherry picker award. Um, now, on to, on to some defenders and um, one of our favourite sons, Paul Dummett, had a really, really positive season. Um, he was the most used player in the championship last year. But obviously we all know how that Spurs opener went. Uh, he got, I think it was a hamstring injury quite early on and we didn't see him for a good couple of months. So it took him a while to get back in. I mean, Mankio came in and deputised for for Dummett, but it, we, we never really had that that balance with Mankio being right-footed when he was on the left-hand side. Yes, he did okay and I'm not Mankio's greatest fan, um, as you might have picked up from previous videos, but but when Dummett finally got into his stride again, um, I think tactically he's become a lot more ways positionally better because what used to happen uh, is relegation season a couple of years ago and last season in the championship, certainly for the first couple of months before Rafa had properly drilled him, was he would often just get rinsed at least once by just whichever winger was whichever right winger was playing at the time, and he's. He's not the fastest defender. I mean, I always say he's a, he's a centre-back, or he's, a def, he's certainly a left-sided centre-back in a back three. I think that's probably his most natural position. He's not like um, a pacey wing-back like, like Yedlin can be. But when you don't have that pace, you need to compensate for it. And, and Paul Dummett has done that superbly this season. I think Paul Dummett has improved his positional play. He's probably quite cautious going forward, um, which you know, if you, if you try and look back to what you know, what Jose Enrique used to do, what Santon used to do, they used to just you know, great going forward, but you know, maybe not as great defensively. But I think Dummett is better defensively than all of those players, and and, and, and even Yedlin, you know, um, I think he's better defensively and is. As I said, if you get the positioning right, then you, you you don't rely on that pace as much because you're just going to be in the right place at the right time. And I think 
Paul Dummett's reading of the game has vastly improved uh, this, this season. He's developed very well and, and, and he's finally getting fan appreciation. He's a player that used to get a lot of pelters for seemingly no apparent reason. You know, when the whole team's doing poorly, let's all shout at Paul Dummett. It was, it was ludicrous. But what he's got now, he's got the fans on board, finally. Um, he's getting the recognition that he deserves. The stats are excellent. And he's finally got, he's finally got a chant um, towards the end of the season. He finally got, he's one of our own, Paul Dummett. So that's heartwarming and it's exactly what he deserves. And I, 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 You know, as much as I think we, we should be looking at competition for Paul Dummett next season, that's not to say, I think that'll only push him on and push him harder. And I think it will make him a better footballer for it. So... So for Paul Dummett, I issue you the one of our own award uh, for being a homegrown lad um, who's constantly proved his doubt is wrong. Constantly. Um, and I think he needs to be applauded for that. So Paul Dummett, he's had a, a, a cracking season, especially recovering from injury as well. So on to um, our captain, Jamal Lascelles. He has... Um, He's been huge, hasn't he? I mean, let's look back at the, the, the back end of the championship season. He was, he was putting in very poor performances, positionally suspect. Um, it turns out he was carrying an injury, he was harbouring an injury for those last couple of months. But, you know, and you think, well, if he was playing poorly and he had an injury, why was he even playing? Uh, but Rafa obviously felt that he, you know, he still needed him. He still felt he was an important player. Um, and, it, and it's important. Again, it's, it's very, very easy to forget that Jamal Lascelles did not start the season. In that opening Spurs match, Lejeune and Clark were selected. And he only came on when Kane absolutely scythed down Florian Lejeune um, and, and were forced into a, a first-half change. So, obviously, Dummett came off in the first half as well. So we had two defenders off in that first half. And... Um, Kane only got a yellow card for that, even though Lejeune was out for a couple of months. And, um, you know, the, the importance of, of Lascelles was highlighted in that awful run we went on before Christmas when, you know, Lascelles missed X amount of games and when Lejeune and Clark partnered, we were, we were appalling. We were really, really appalling. And, you know, you look at the, the couple of goals... The very important goals he got early in the season against Stoke and against at home and against Swansea away, they they were they were huge huge goals. Um, they were both match winners um, in the end, and you know that that gave us very early momentum to be pushing up sort of fifth in the table. I think early doors, and you know he has become he's become Rafa's new Gerard. He's it is. It's his personality, his, uh, his leadership. He's precocious in that he's you know, the youngest captain in the Premier League. He was very, very close to a World Cup call-up, I, um, I think. I think there's reasonable shouts to say he's better or provides something different to a lot of the players that are in there. Players like Tarkovsky on the, on the uh, waiting list has had a spectacular season, don't get me wrong. But other players possibly getting picked for... Reputation alone, which is based, based on the club that they're playing for. Um, so, Lascelles, I, I've been an immensely huge fan of this season. I think his organisation, his partnership, certainly with, with Lejeune, 
in the second half of the season with Dubravka behind them. I think that, that, that pivotal triangle, that defensive triangle, has been absolute at the core of everything. It's very, very Rafa. It's very pragmatic, defensive. Um, get the back line sorted first and then think about going up the other end and scoring. And we have been solid. I think we ended up the seventh best defence in the Premier League. And that's in no short part to Jamal Lascelles. So for his crunching tackles all season, I'm going to give you, Jamal Lascelles, the Captain Crunch Award. So well done you. Fantastic performance. And on to your defensive partner, Florian Lejeune. So he came in for, for a £9 million uh, release clause from Ibar in Spain. And, you know, given that there are rules around release, every contract in Spain has to have a release clause. I certainly expect Rafa Benitez this summer to be scouring and speaking to agents and, and scouts to, to look for, for more bargains like, like Lejeune has proved because once you activate that release clause, you can talk to the player without the club and they, they can't do anything about it, obviously. Um, and Lejeune... Well, obviously, as I mentioned before, quite a violent introduction to life in Newcastle in the Premier League. You know, he got scythed down, he got scissored by by Kane, who outrageously only got a yellow card, and obviously uh, Shelby got a red for sta standing on Deli Ali's little finger. Just saying. Um, so he, it was a bit... So once he finally got himself back into the side... He, you know, Lascelles was injured, so it was Clark and it was Lejeune, and as I mentioned before, they they struggled together, and it was a very it was a baptism of fire, I think, for Lejeune. Um, I think he didn't have the confidence to be able to play his own game because, as we've seen, as the as the season's gone on, and he's grown so much next to next to Lascelles, and we've we've really seen what he's like as a as a, as a player. He's had the confidence to, you know, he's a ball playing centre back. You know, he. It's what Mbemba should be if Mbemba had been playing. If Mbemba had bothered to learn English the last three years, we might, you know, he might not have uh, needed to sign Lejeune at, at all. But he he brings the ball out, whereas Lascelles is a bit less technical, no nonsense. Get the headers in um, and you know lump the ball up. Lejeune's got a bit more guile about him. Um, he's got very good technique. He can spray a pass long range. You know, I think he's probably the the second best distributor of, of long range passes um, in the in the club, uh, behind Shelby, and probably just ahead of Matt Ritchie. And he's he's just come on leaps and bounds. You know, his when he first came back it was that Man United game. It was Dubravka's first game. He came back. He was in the team alongside Lascelles for the first time. And again, that partnership never looked back. And what he does is he just gets everywhere. Interceptions, blocks, clearances, headers. He's kind of an all-rounder. It's brilliant. And he's become a real fan's favourite. In fact, statistically, according to who scored, for players who played more than one game, because Henri Savier is at the top of this average rating because of the literally the one game he played against West Ham uh, where he scored that free kick. Beyond that, he's statistically, I think he ended the best, the best player uh, for Newcastle, for, according to who scored. So that just shows the impact that he's had. And don't forget, this is his first season in the Premier League, and we're raving about him. And he's he's magnificent, and he's a really likable guy as well. Um, I just think he's been one of the standouts. Um, but 
in terms of just throwing himself about, I'm going to give him the body on the line award. Um, Lejeune, he he was everywhere. I mean, body on the line, I could give it to that to Lascelles as well because the the pair of them were just blood, sweat, and tears. They fought for Newcastle United this season, and it was it's amazing to see. And he's got the right attitude, and I think he's just going to get better next season. I really, really do. Under ten million pounds, absolute snip, brilliant stuff. And a complete the back line um, is DeAndre Yedlin. Um, very likeable, popular character in the dressing room. He, again, like Dummett, is another player who I think has improved a lot. I still think he's got some development to go as well. And I think, again, like Dummett, he would favour... Um, so he would benefit from having um, some proper competition because I don't think Manquillo, um is up to the standard. Um, Jesus James probably isn't going to stay around either. Um and I think he needs maybe a bit more tactical awareness, positioning. I think he was uh, left wanting on a, you know, a few occasions um, last season. But positively, he has the right attitude and he has the work ethic that Rafa looks for. And he is such an asset going forward. You, you talked to before about how Dummett doesn't really maraud forward, but he plays it conservatively. But when... The, the partnership that Matt Ritchie and um, Yedlin have on that right side is such a is, is such an asset and he is lightning quick. So when he does make defensive mistakes, he's at least more than any well more than any fullback or more than any defender in the in, in the squad, he is able to turn on his heels and sprint back the other way and try and rectify that mistake. So that pace does afford him a little bit of leeway and you know he's not that he's still raw he's not the finished article by any stretch and he needs some competition to push himself because I think he can be better but I I think he's um, I think he's he still has proved his doubt is wrong he's kept a couple of other right backs out the side as well so for Yedlin you have got the speed demon award for your lightning pace. So well done you. On the midfield, as I was just mentioning, Matt Ritchie. So he basically split his two halves of the season uh, assisting and scoring. So he had a flurry of assists in the first few games of the season and that kind of helped us beat the likes of um, Stoke and Swansea as mentioned. Um, and he... You know, it looked like he was completely carrying on the form from the championship, where he's been obviously very, very impressive. But then Richie kind of took a. It seemed to me like it was maybe a bit fatigue. He'd been an ever-present since he arrived. He barely missed a game, barely missed a minute um, under Rafa Benitez, and I think kind of towards the end of 2017, I think that fatigue caught up with him, dropped a form. Which is kind of understandable because he played so well for so long. Um, and I think the fact that we were suffering in that awful run from defensive frailties meant that he wasn't fully able... To, he almost had to stop expressing himself for the good of the team because he had to exercise his defensive traits um, because we seemed to be always on the back foot. And I think that was... You know, the, the results have almost coincided with his 
gold contribution because when we went through that dip, he wasn't getting assists, he wasn't scoring. And but when when our defence started to shore up with Dubravka's arrival and the you know the Lejeune and Lascelles partnership blooming, then he was able to go up the other end of the pitch and again keep taking it back to this Man United game. It was it was such a day, it was such a catalyst. And that was his February, this is his first goal of the season, Richie. Which is crazy to think about how many he scored last season. He did hit the he's, he's hit the woodwork a few times this season as well, don't forget. But Man United goal, when he when he is gonna score his first goal, how important match winner against basically a team who finished second in the league. That's massive. That result was unexpected. That performance, the team performance was unexpected. But Matt Ritchie's goal was crucial. So we scored then. And obviously he scored um he scored against Southampton, a long ranger, um, as well to make it 3-0. And he scored the winner against Arsenal at home. So there are three absolutely crucial games that he made scoring contributions to. Um, and, and, and looking particularly at Man United and Arsenal, um, I just think since the defence showed up, he was able to go forward more, think more about scoring, express himself more, get himself into the final thirds where he could have more shots. And I think that was the difference. I think, I think the lack of... Uh, defensive solidity compromised his attacking uh, play massively so so Matt Ritchie uh, I'm going to give you the giant slayer award for your winning goals against Manchester United and Arsenal and looking across to his left hand side you'll see uh, the unmistakable figure of Mr John Joe Shelby now as I mentioned before, his season didn't start brilliantly. I think that was silly, but still probably slightly harsh. Um, but as we've proved this season, when even without the line share of possession, John Joe Shelby can dictate a game. He can run a game. He doesn't even have to have the ball all the time. But he is absolutely in his element. When he's got about ten yards of pay, uh, ten yards of space around him, a radius around him, and he's just picked up the ball from Lascelles, he's just touched it to him, and he's looking around. His vision is unmatched. His passing range is unmatched. I think in the Premier League, there'll be a few players, yes, who can spray a ball long. Maybe Pogba can do it. Maybe Hazard and a couple of others. But in terms of English players. And many will debate whether he should have been in the World Cup squad. I think for a World Cup squad, you probably need different options. You need a plan B. I think John Joe Shelby absolutely, absolutely could have been that plan B, especially when our midfield uh, for the World Cup is probably at his weakest in, in my lifetime. I've never seen a, a midfield weaker. Um, and I think he, 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 he just brings something different. Now, his numbers might not be spectacular in terms of goals and assists. I think he got one goal, a couple of assists, or obviously he got another one in the in the FA Cup against Luton. But how many half assists would John Joe Shelby have this season if they counted them? That's 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 important. And we talked about partnerships earlier. The partnership that he formed with Modi Army, who we'll get on to next, has again basically kept us up. 
That's, that's, that's one of the major reasons that we've stayed in the Premier League. So it's this, you know, and obviously since the turn of the year, his, his, his discipline that was so heavily criticised has, has been addressed by the man himself. He's been very honest. He's come out. He's, he's, he's expressed, you know, how excited he was to even be in the conversation of going to the World Cup. He put his head down and worked hard for Rafa. And I, I think... I think many managers have tried and failed to get the best out of John Joe Shelby, whereas Rafa has probably got him in his at his best mentally and his form as well, and his ability to be that you know that 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 pivot that everything comes through him allows us to be able to counter attack on the break when you've got quick wingers like we do and fast forwards like we do. John Joe Shelby doesn't have to be as mobile. It's a bit like Beckham. He never used to beat a man Beckham because he never had to. He just crossed from deep or passed from deep. He didn't have to be mobile and John Joe Shelby's got that. And that's why I'm going to give John Joe Shelby the quarterback award because his everything came through him. He was a crucial part of every attack we had. Even if he wasn't um, you know, assisting or scoring, he would have been part of that move somewhere down the line. Vastly important. Without going to the World Cup, it means he's got a full summer of fitness training with Newcastle, and he's going to come out, and he's going to be—it's going to be a better situation for us because we need him to carry on the form that he's had. He's been absolutely tremendous. Quite rightly, journalists were calling for him to go to the World Cup. Finally, he was getting people on his side, and you know, people outside of the Newcastle bubble were, were starting to see actually what he was bringing to the game, the way he can dictate the way he can control a game and making other midfielders just look stupid um, and top midfielders looking stupid and his defensive contribution has been fantastic as well he's tackling more but with discipline he's intercepting, he's blocking and he's not the most naturally gifted defensive midfielder as we know he's just not, that's just not his game um, but he put the effort in and that, that's why we're going to continue to love him and that's why he's going to be able to continue to be so valuable to our side. So he gets the quarterback award and next to him, Mr. Mo Diame, the most improved player of the season. So he, since he arrived, he never really seemed to have settled down in a position. You know, Rafa would alternate him and Perez in the number 10 role. Not play him in, in centre midfield, but when he did, I mean, he wasn't amazing. Everton, as I mentioned before, the Everton game at home when we lost 1-0, he got booed off by some pockets of the fans. That's mental. You, I don't think many people... I don't think he played any worse than other people that day. Um, yes, it was a turgid game and we, we shouldn't have gone down on a, a, an error in the end, but, but Modi Army got booed off that, that day. And then shortly after, there was a reported scuffle in training between him and Lascelles. And you can almost imagine Lascelles kind of saying, you're not applying yourself. Um, was there fisticuffs? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but whatever happened there, whatever that, whether it was sort of like magic dust in the, in the knuckles of Jamal Lascelles, Modi Army completely turned his season around and he turned his Newcastle career around because I think had Modi Army not done what he... You know, performed as he did uh, since you know since that since that West Ham game. Basically, I don't. I think he'd be getting shipped out this this summer. I truly believe that he'd be he'd be finished. 
But that Man that that sorry that West Ham game was a catalyst for him because he scored a very important goal, which ended up being crucial because we won three two, and he suddenly turned into a fifty million pound midfielder. It was it was absolutely bad. I don't think anyone could quite believe it. He made players like Pogba look stupid. He made players like Kante look stupid. Modi Army. We bought him for a few million quid. He's you know, he's in the, the, the twilight of his career. He's he's not getting any he's not getting any younger. And he just produced a run of form that coincided with a really, really good run of results. And he was just a monster in, in midfield. He would block a bit like Lejeune, he's sort of like a man possessed, just blocking, charging down, tackling, stealing, muscling out, and he started to realise that he has physicality and that he can use it to his advantage. And he really did. He became one of these players like a Dembele for Spurs who you, you just struggle to get the ball off because of his of his of his physique, his frame, um, his strength, and his determination. I mean, I remember I mean just seeing in the last game of the season against Chelsea. I like heard him he was charging down the ball so that the Chelsea players were passing it around between themselves. He was charging down the ball like a bull to a matador and I could almost like hear his breathing and he was just he was just going for it and the determination to, to, to hunt that ball down, to track it down and, uh, and just basically stop and be an obstacle to the, to the opposition. I, I, I just think yeah, it's, this, it's just a Modi army I'd never seen before and he's just put in countlessly countless fantastic performances um, in the second half of the season I don't, I don't know I honestly just don't know I don't know what happened Rafa happened that's what happened <laughs> it's Rafa that so for Modi army I'm going to give him the midfield destroyer award because he destroyed midfielders careers all over the shop and all the top clubs, some of the crap ones as well, but Modi Army, what a transformation. Well played, fair play. So, next one is um, Mr. Kennedy, who arrived in January as one of our hallowed loan signings. Uh, Rafa wanted him uh, the previous summer, actually, but I think because Chelsea hadn't signed Emerson Palmieri or, or anybody, that they didn't want to let him go, they needed that squad depth. Um, but when Rafa finally got his man, I mean, we saw it was just instant class he brought. I mean, for somebody with so many tricks and so much flair, um, there's, there's genuinely end product from the guy. Like, he loves a dribble. I, I thought he'd be very flash. I thought he would lose the ball a lot. He'd try some fanciful things. And maybe it would be a lot style, no substance sort of situation. But, like, absolutely not. Like, when he when he did tricks, they were for a purpose to... to to, to advance, to progress, um, to beat a man, to get into a good position for a cross. The, 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 he, the confidence he has with dribbling and the, just the technique, it's, just, it's, it's second nature to him. And he just impressed me a lot. And I think he's a must-signing this, this summer. I think we absolutely have to, have to, if it's 20 million quid, just pay it. Because he is worth it. Um, he he came up for the club in crucial games. I mean, his debut was electric. His debut was at home at Burnley. And in the first sort of half an hour or whatever, he'd already had a 
he'd already dribbled loads, taken on loads of men, he'd hit the post from long range, and he won as a penalty. That's literally in his first 45 minutes for Newcastle. He made more of an impact than than any player had made an impact, given how poor a run we were on. We seemed bereft of ideas in the final third, and you know we we had a couple of stale results, really. But Kennedy, man, just what an impact! And you know he got he got the crucial assist for Perez in the Huddersfield game. He got two amazing goals in the Southampton game. That first one, off his shoulder, over his head, slotted it past the goalkeeper. And then there was the the, the, the the team goal as well, which I'll talk about a bit later on. But the team goal as well to, to basically put us 2-0 up and put us out of sight against a relegation rival. It was huge, it was massive, and Kennedy was just a big part of that. And and, and with somebody like Kennedy, who's so comfortable uh, with the ball, it meant that Dummett didn't need to maraud forward because Kennedy was doing that for him. And, and Kennedy had defensive knowledge as well and defensive awareness a bit like Richie as well because Kennedy has previously been deployed as a left back he's a bit more versatile in that respect he has that in his game and he's only 22 you know we buy him for 20 million in a couple of years he'd be worth 40 million no problem easiest money we'll ever make if he then ha if he wanted us to, to use as a stepping stone I'd hope not I want him to come and I want Rafa to build something but I think we'll only ever be a stepping stone club as long as Mike Ashley's at the club. But that's 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 a different conversation. So fantastic impact. I think we'd I think he saw the love at Newcastle, he saw the adulation from the fans, he saw the club at its best, he saw the, the stadium at its loudest. Thinking about, you know, games like the Man United game. Um and I think in the Arsenal game as well, I think he I think he really liked it up here. I don't know if that means he's going to come, but I think he would certainly consider it as a serious option. So for Kennedy and for that amazing skill, I think he did away to Leicester, I'm going to give you the Elastico Award because when was the last time we saw any Newcastle player doing Elastico? I don't even think Ben Arthur's got that in his locker, although he probably has, but I don't remember him doing it. So the Elastico Award goes to Kennedy. Um, forwards. A Jose Perez, what a second half of the season he's had. The first half of the season, he basically, I think, got one goal and one assist. That was it. One goal and one assist. I think Rafa was still trying to think of who is his best forward line. I think he was still looking at Hosselu, still looking at um, Dwight Gale. Um, I mean, it was. I think his turning point was a way to Stoke televised game where he basically played, I think, Atsu in the number 10 role, in a free role, and he played Perez up front on his own. And Perez scored the winner, if you remember, that, that, uh, that day. I think it was a, a Jacob Murphy cross. And he never looked back from there. So he basically went on in the second half, this is 2018, I think this was the Stoke game on New Year's Day. He got seven goals and four assists. So eight and five for the season, but seven and four of them came since since the turn of the year. That's the impact he's had. He's got he scored crucial goals against Leicester, if you think about the, that, that amazing lob. He scored against Arsenal at the near post. He he got the winner against Huddersfield. That was just an absolutely 
massive game. We talked about him getting the winner at Stoke as well. And he scored um, he scored a couple against Chelsea in the last game of the season as well. So he's a top goal scorer award. So he's top goal scorer. He's joint top assist maker as well. And he, he we're starting to see a Jose Perez at his, at his best. He's always had very up and down seasons where he goes through short bursts of form. Um, but I think with, you know, again, with just more time with Rafa Benitez and Rafa Benitez finally settling on, a, on, his, on his best 11, Perez benefited from that settled formation and the partnership he had with Gale. He liked to be a high presser. Rafa wanted basically to defend from the front, which you don't get with immobile strikers like Hosselu, for example. That's why Gale and Perez just caused so many problems for defenders. Always running in behind or when the opposition were in, def in, in, in possession of the ball, trying to play out of the defence, he'd be down their throats, very, like, like Diarmi, he'd just be in their face, forcing errors, um, forcing them to play it faster than they wanted to and not giving them time to think. Um, so I think Perez's all-round forward player this season has been superb because... Last season even, and the start of this season when Rafa's trying to alternate between number 10, he didn't know if it was Diarmi, he didn't know if it was um, Perez, he, he, he genuinely didn't perform very well. But he has been absolutely magnificent uh, the turn of the year. He's been superb. Tangible evidence for his performances in goals and assists, positive contribution, and in fact... He contributed to exactly a third of our goals in the Premier League. 13 goals and we scored 39 in the Premier League. So that's how important he was to us. 33% of all our goals came through a Jose Perez. Magnificent stat, magnificent player um, and I only expect him to improve next season. Um, and imagine what he could be like with you know some you know much better striking options as well. I think I think he's really established himself as a must pick. So for Perez, I give him the gold contribution award simply because he was he's just been so important and so valuable in that final third. And the last uh, of the of this of this start eleven awards is Mr. Dwight Gale. So. He sort of struggled to hit the, the dizzy heights of the, of the championship season. I know injury hampered him in the second half of the, of the championship season. Possibly could have easily breached 30 goals had he not got injured. Um, but you know where, where, where he's lacked in, in actual goals, he, like Perez, has been part of a bigger machine and been an important part of that. Their high pressing, his movement and anticipation has been really important as well. And he's netted against some really big, a bit like Richie, he's netted against some really big sides this season. So obviously he scored against uh, Chelsea, home and away I think. Uh, he scored at Old Trafford. And he scored... Yeah, he got his, his brace against Bournemouth as well, which was... Strangely, uh, one of our best performances this season, but 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 was was it not for the capitulation at the end and, and the last minute equaliser by Gosling? But but Dwight Gale has been, I think his confidence has been rocked a little bit this season. I think we need to replace him ultimately, um, or certainly bring in some some first class competition for him because. 
we need better quality throughout the squad to push all of our players on. And I think Gale needs to be contributing more. For the, for the games he plays, he needs to be contributing more um, in front of goal, which he hasn't had. And he, he just it, it hasn't quite worked out as, as, as he would have liked, as we would have liked. Um, maybe Rafa will see um, a way that that can work better next season. Maybe there's talk he still might be sold. Um, I think wherever he goes, he's got a great attitude and he'll do well for them. And if he certainly drops down to the championship, he will score hatfuls of goals down there because he was certainly made for that league. And as, as much as I'm not saying he's not a Premier League player, I just think that we need someone who doesn't suffer from those confidence issues in front of goal. We need someone who just backs themselves to bang a shot in, make the goalkeeper work, and hopefully, more often than not, hit the back of the net. But I know Rafa likes his work ethic and he's been an important part of a team that ultimately has been bigger than the sum of its parts. It's a modestly talented team, but he's been a part of that and he's without him, we certainly wouldn't have been where ended up where we are. So for Dwight Gale, I give the Fox in the Box Award uh, for his, uh, his, his pace, his movement, and that anticipation that um, really should have been rewarded with a few more goals um, so I expect him to crack on next season whether he be at Newcastle or, or elsewhere and just to you know chat through a couple of the other players that we had so Hosselu limited player but worked hard and did what he needed to do for the team you got Jacob Murphy who seemed to get a few um, a lot of criticism here and there but I think he I think he did all right when he came on. He's one of these players who's an impact player who he's very direct, who I like. He's very pacey and he'll ask questions of the fullback by just running at him. Um, he's got a lovely goal away to Man City this season as well. I think Jacob Murphy's got a lot more to give. He's still very young. Um, and I think he's a good English squad player. Um, like I said, an impact player. And I think he's just going to get better. He just needs a bit more confidence, a bit more experience at the top level because again, he hasn't really got that experience in the in, in the Premier League, but I think he can go from strength to strength. I'd like to see him get a few more chances next season. Kristinatsu, obviously we picked him up for for, for about six million odd. Um, lost his place to Kennedy. Had an, probably his best game was away to West Ham, where his his highlight was nutmeg and Zabaleta, which was great, um, which led to a goal. I think it was Diarmi's goal that possibly. Um, and he came up with a couple of you know really important goals himself, Christian Atsu. Um, I think, like I say, when better quality came in, he found himself outside out of the side um, and struggled to get back in. But he's got the right attitude. I think he's a good squad player to have around. Has the pace that could really work against tired legs and sort of as an impact sub, very much like Murphy on the right hand side. And yeah, um, decent little squad player um, and probably quite nice to have around the dressing room. You've got Marino, who's came with lots of fanfare, seemingly quite uh, quite cheap as well. And he sort of disappeared after that winner at Crystal Palace, didn't he? He had a really good game against Liverpool with Shelby in the middle. Um, he is the closest we've got with Shelby, um, I think, to somebody with vision in that guile and... A sort of 
looking to make things happen in a sort of deep line playmaking res respect. But there was talk about him being uh, injured, struggling with a back injury. There's talk about him going to Bilbao. Now, the Bilbao link, it's, a, it's something that I think will happen at some point. But I'd like to think it wouldn't be this summer. I think he has too much to prove at Newcastle. I'd like to think with a, a full pre-season under his belt, he can start producing because we saw glimmers of his talent. He definitely has the potential. He's got great vision. He's got very good intelligence on the pitch. And I think he's an asset. He would be an asset to anybody's midfield. So I, and his defensive contribution as well, he's, he's absolutely defensive brilliantly defensively minded and he you know stats are, are really really back that up as well um, so Marino I really would like him to stay I really want to see him push on and I want to see the best of him he's still still very young transitional period he's coming to a new country um, new league and that's that can be quite daunting for somebody so young as Marino so Let's not get on his back. Let's <laughs> pardon the pun with his injury. Um, and let's give him a chance. And hopefully he'll stay around and he'll prove. I mean, noises are that he... Latest noise in the local papers say that he suggests that he does want to hang around and, you know, fight for his fight for his place. And hopefully uh, he can do that. But I think he suffered a bit from Diarmi and Shelby's, Shelby's very good uh, partnership, which he just couldn't break up. And why, why would Rafa break that up when it was so, so successful? Hayden's been canny, obviously had a bit more of a bit part player this season, scored a cracking goal against Southampton away. Um, I think he's a good squad player to have around. He brings a, a defensive element. He's a bit more of a box-to-box. -box. Sometimes he's got good, he's rangy uh, and, and leggy and he can get he get it can get around a bit. Again, I think he is just behind in the pecking order due to his, his ability. Um, it might be that we bring a proper defensive midfielder because I don't think Hayden is a proper proper defensive midfielder I think he's more of a box to box Diarmé can go forward as well so I don't I think we will we will probably buy a dedicated defensive midfielder um, to sit in just to give us that option and give us that um, security in front of the back line certainly against those those bigger teams um, Kim Clark Decent, um, didn't really live up to the, the performances of last season where he played magnificently, didn't make the step up very well. I think positionally struggled a bit here and there, really didn't work well with Lejeune. Um, and we sort of just didn't see a lot of him after that because of um, because of Lejeune and Lascelles. Um, completely kept out the side. Whether he keeps him as a squad player or not, I think it's probably a good idea, but it depends how many we bring in. Um, I expect us to sell him Bemba, for example, so it's likely Clark will stay this summer. But we don't know, don't know how many, I don't know what his plans are, but Clark, certainly a, a decent option as backup, but he's, he's, he's not a starter in the Premier League for me now. Manquillo, I mentioned before, I don't really rate him. I think he was... He's basically, um, I don't think Rafa really wanted him either. It's a bit like Hosselu. I think they were both just bought because they were only ones available for the money that we had um, on our shoestring budget, Mike. And as much as he's just steady, I think he's just a solid like five, six out of ten kind of player. I 
don't think he does anything spectacular. I found him wanting at the back. I think he gets beat too easily, um, giving away penalties, etc. Just, um, just not great for me. Um, I think he, I mean the last thing he, good good thing he did he got that um, he assisted Perez for that goal away to Watford uh, that con consolation but beyond that uh, not for me not for me um, obviously a quick note on Slomani who came did uh, played very few games then got a ban he basically got injured did a couple of bits then got a ban um, he. <laughs> He challenged the goalkeeper uh, for Huddersfield, which ended up leading to um, Perez's winner, and he got an assist for Richie's winner against Arsenal as well. So, for those two moments alone, they were worth, had they not done those, they were worth four points, um, an additional four points. So, had we not um, got those additional four points, we wouldn't have finished in the top half. So, there you go. Islam Slamani still more effective than Daniel Sturridge for West Brom. And a quick note on Mitrovic, who obviously went to Fulham. Uh, he nearly went to France, I think. Bordeaux, was it, maybe? And uh, just kind of didn't happen in the last minute. And he ended up going to Fulham, and he's just... He's obviously... Well, we know what's happened now. Fulham have got promoted. He scored a hat load of goals. They probably want to buy him now. I don't think we're going to sell him for less than £20 million, which in the current market is probably fair, given that he's going to be... A, starting at the World Cup for his country and he's slotted right into London uh, sorry into Fulham I think he probably will enjoy living in London as well um, and I think he suits their style of football I always said he's not a bad player he just doesn't fit the Newcastle way he doesn't fit Rafa's um, work ethic either as well or his, his tactical awareness so for those reasons as much as I like him I understand why he was shipped out on loan and why he's probably going to be almost definitely sold this summer um, but I just thought we should mention his performance because he, he you know I think he just reminded everyone that he can score goals in the right system and he does have the talent so there we go so um, my goal of the season um, as I mentioned before is going to be Kennedy's second against Southampton basically Southampton had a corner it came out to Mario Lamina who's a really good player but just had a shocker against us uh, Basically because Diarmi and that um, just ruined him mentally. He did try to try, try like a scissor kick and he just sort of like did a complete air swipe. We brought the ball out. Perez a huge part of that. Kennedy a huge part of that. Gale a huge part of that. Perez was bearing down on goal. Knocked it right. Almost no eyes to, to, to Gale. And Gale had cut a shot. The normal Dwight Gale would have shot there. But he had the awareness that Kennedy would be bursting in at the back post, which he was. So, so as he just played it across and then Kennedy slotted in at the back post. It was an absolutely sumptuous counter-attacking 101 goal. It was textbook and it, it was so slick. It was so quick and it was just, it just never missed a beat. It was boom, 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 slot, goal, celebrate. It was fantastic. Um, close second, I think, was Jose's against Leicester the lob over Schmeichel um, which mirrored the chip from Albert over his dad Peter so um, yeah that was that was pretty tasty and a quite an unexpected victory as well so that was enjoyable so my best match overall 
as I've kept, it's been a recurring theme in this uh, video, has been Manchester United at home. It was, the defensive performances were out of this world, the midfield performances were out of this world, we scored a really cute little tidy goal from a set piece with Matt Ritchie, Gail just laying it off for him. Uh, Dubravka was amazing. But, but, but more, it wasn't just that, it was obviously that the, the, the old rivalry with Man United, it always just stays there, doesn't it, from the early, earlier Premier League years. And it was just the, 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 the decibels in that stadium that day. It was so, so loud. And my, my personal highlight, because I was right next to, I was in the Platinum Club, I was right next to the fancy seats behind the, the, the barrier. And I was about 20 feet away from Bobby Charlton. <coughs> Traitor. <coughs> Bobby Charlton. And uh, when Richie scored that goal, I turned to him and I just gave him a bit of this. It was class. Absolutely class. Lovely stuff. Really enjoyed that. But that for me was the best. And, and beyond that, that was a catalyst for our our amazing run for our defensive solidity. It just it it made Dubravka the player he was. It gave him the confidence to you know for a goalkeeper to go through that in his first game in the Premier League and never look back. So important. And I think players like Kennedy would have just seen the the club at its best. You know the support from the fans was electric that day. It was just so loud and raucous. I I loved it. It had everything. And it was it was so important that 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 game. So that was my favourite game, uh, loudest game. And I've just mentioned that was also Man United. Uh, best signing, I'm probably going to say Dubravka. I think to to have that reliability at the back and not have to worry and look over your shoulder at what the goalkeeper's doing or what he might do. Um, you know, you look you look at Liverpool. You look at Carriers in that Champions League in that Champions League final. Even leading up to that, he might have had a couple of good games, but he still had mistakes in his locker. And I just don't think Dubravka has that. Dubravka's a better goalkeeper than Loris Carriers. He, he just is. He, he, he just is. He, he doesn't make those errors. He's so reliable plucking a ball out, as I said. I just think he's the, the, the best signer for us, most important. I think Kennedy's a close second. Um and because of the the impact that he had on our attacking third which i think had been lacking before january and then lejeune i think third um but lejeune i mean i could mix those up in any order um on any other day of the week so they've all been fantastic signings but i think dubravka was just so important that we finally nailed down a goalkeeper that just works that got it and brought exactly what we need in terms of communication and organization Biggest injustice of the season, I still think it was that Spurs opener. I think the Kane tackle, I think that um, the decision to send John Joe Shelby off, I think it was immensely harsh. Um, and, you know, had we not got those two injuries as well in the first half, you know, we were nil-nil up until um, Shelby got sent off and then they ended up winning 2-0. Uh, that still annoys me. Uh, maybe... Maybe Brighton away. I think we got a couple of kicks to the face, which weren't addressed. Harry Maguire pushing Gale in the face, and we didn't get he didn't get a red card for that. Um, yeah, a few a few injustices. Um, and talking about injustices, we usually don't get penalties, but I'm going to say the biggest ironic cheer 
of the season came when we finally, finally won a penalty when Kennedy got brought down again at home to Burnley. <laughs> Obviously, only, and of course, only for Hosselu to, to end up missing the penalty that we've been waiting for for so long. Um, so yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't great, um, but you can probably see the funny side of it now. Worst performances, um, worst performance, sorry, I'd probably say Watford at home. We just got spanked 3-0. It was awful. And, and usually when we, when we lost, you could always pick out, oh, well, we had a good first half or we were much better in the second half but we just get, didn't get around to, we just couldn't put the ball in the net. Or Like against Watford at home, we were just terrible from start to finish. It was appalling. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's going to be mine. Quickly, uh, best away performance, as I mentioned, West Ham. I think that was, in a similar way, also a catalyst. It was an unexpected win in, in, in London. We used to... I mean, there used to be a London hoodoo, didn't it? Where we used to rarely get a win in London. And I think even the same now, you very rarely pick them up. But that game showed so much character for us. It was the turning point for Diarmi and just a crucial, crucial win. Uh, we saw Save's amazing one game cameo that puts him at the top of all the, uh, the, the player ratings. Um, it was fantastic, and by all accounts, uh, from people I know who were there, the, the it was just an amazing way, a way end as well. So fantastic, and the best home performance. Not even going to say Man United. Not even going to say Arsenal. I think it was Chelsea last game of the season. Honestly, think we absolutely dicked them. We were fantastic. We played Chelsea off the park. Last year's Premier League winners. So that was the last year's Championship winners playing last year's Premier League winners off the park. They were awful. We were brilliant, and um, it was just that was an amazing day as well. That's probably a, a, a close second to best game of the season because it obviously meant that we definitely finished in tenth. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm going to end it there. It's been about an hour now, so thank you so much uh, for all your support, all your views, all your comments over the course of last season. I've absolutely loved it. Will be there'll be more videos throughout the summer. I'll do a few match reports for the England games as well. There might only be three um, if we don't get out of the group. If you haven't already, please, please subscribe. Uh, get the notifications up when the new videos come as well uh, so you can be first to see those. I'm on um, iTunes and SoundCloud. Forget what I'm saying now. Uh, obviously on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please check us out there on Twitter. We're at the two network. There'll be loads more to come. I've really enjoyed your support. Sorry the season review's been so late. You might not be interested anymore, but it's there when you get really, really bored um, during the summer when there's no football or you're waiting for the World Cup to start or it's the World Cup's finished and you've got a couple of weeks left to wait and you want to get back into the, 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 uh, the, the swing of things with all things Newcastle United. Every time we sign a player, I'll put a video out as well and give you some, some reaction to that as well. Anyway, I've been Adam of the Two Network. This has been the Two Network season review for 2017-18 for Newcastle United. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, everyone. Bye-zy-bye. -bye.